And we are so glad that you guys are here today. My name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here for almost 21 years here at Connect Church. We're so honored to have you with us. Uh, one last thing that I want to be sure and announce to you guys this morning uh, is that and we've got so many new families that are coming to Connect Church that if you haven't signed up for our new members class, uh, do that right now. I'm going to give you two minutes to just ignore what I'm saying. Uh, come right back in the Holy Spirit. But we really do want to get to know you better. And I in two weeks, right after church on a Sunday morning, you guys are going to get a chance to have a free lunch. We're going to provide it, but you got to get registered and sign up. You meet the whole staff. We're not going to make you sign a blood covenant. You don't have to join the church or nothing like that. We just want you to find out about us, and we want to get to know you better, answer your questions, and if you don't like it, don't come back. Uh, no harm, no foul, but man, you get a free lunch. So what, what better offer can we give you that? So please go online right now, get signed up for the new members class and we'll share with you about what we believe and about any other questions that you guys have salvation baptism we're going to cover all of that it'll be about an hour we'll have you out uh, out the door in an hour it's just a good time to get to know you guys better and so please be sure and do that right now uh, and then by the way if you missed last Sunday we launched our new sermon series on the Ten Commandments and if you missed it we talked to you guys about that God his way and it's sort of the theme that we're going to be doing throughout the entire Ten Commandments series is we live in a generation, we live in a, an age where everybody tells us their opinion about God, they're debating it all over the country this morning, uh, we're watching people all over discuss about what they think should be done, what they think should be done, and, le and let me just tell you, what we're sharing with you this morning is God has already told us how to, how to do Him. He's already told us what it's like to know Him, and it's in this book, and so we're just declaring it's God his way. And so this morning, we're going to look at what that means in this second commandment. And uh, so we're going to dive into that. We also learned last week that God gives us the Ten Commandments as guidelines in the Bible. And know this this morning, and you need to get this down because we've looked at it wrong. God is not giving you the Ten Commandments, His Word, or anything else to rob you of your freedom or to make you unhappy and miserable. God wrote the Ten Commandments as a guideline that says, if you'll do things my way, follow my plan, then you will have the freedom and the joy and life that you're looking for. You just have to do it my way, and then I will bless you. And so we learned theologically that you can divide the Ten Commandments also last week into two parts, and the first four are our vertical relationship to God, and you've got to get this right first. Then the second, uh, the, the second part of the Ten Commandments is the last six, and when we get to that, it's going to deal with our, uh, with our vertical, horizontal. I remember, man. All right, anyway, and it's going to deal with our relationships with one another. The first four, our relationship with God. The last six deal with our relationships with each other. So it's going to be money, good stuff for you guys. And so here's where we're at this morning. The best way we can summarize a connection between the first commandment and this second commandment and summarizes this whole series is by Dr. Danny Aiken, a great Old Testament professor. And here's what he says. Since underneath every sin, write this down, is idolatry. And he's dead on true. Our obedience to the vertical commands inevitably affects our obedience to the last 
6. And that is such a powerful statement that dives us into where we're at this morning. So let me illustrate this second commandment to you and get you guys uh, mentally hooked into thinking about it this morning. Uh, Have you ever worked with anyone and you told them, don't do that, and they went and did it anyway? Have you... (laughs) Gosh... (laughs) Well, we can take care of that issue. Uh, anyway, uh, have you, uh, he works here. Uh, so uh, have you ever did, did, uh, and so have you ever, have you ever told your kids, <laughs> all right, to do something, don't do this, don't go there, and they went and did it anyway? Have you ever told your kids, don't take that to school, and they took it to school, and sure enough, they got in trouble? Now, let's just get real this morning. How many of you wives on Mother's Day told your husband, do not wear that shirt to church? Okay. <laughs> okay, marriage counseling later for the staff. Uh, so, uh, uh, so you told your spouse, don't wear that shirt to church, and he says, why not? Two reasons. One, it's wrinkled and embarrassing. And number two, you've outgrown it. All right, and so uh, you totally get that this morning, and, and they did it anyway. Well, I think that sort of sets up the stage uh, that what we're going to look at this morning with God and the nation of Israel. And let me give you one last story uh, about my experience with those kind of things that God's going to teach us today when he tells us to do something and we don't listen and we do it the wrong way. So uh, a couple Wednesday nights ago, uh, my job as a grandparent here in the church is that uh, because Andrew preaches for like two hours on Wednesday nights, I'm not complaining because they're doing great, the Holy Spirit's moving, it's exploding and getting ready to go into their new room and all that. But it is a long service, you know, and he preaches forever. I don't know where he gets that stuff. And anyway, and so, um, so my job is to go get the grandkids because he's going to be in there, you know, till whenever. And so, so I go get the grandkids out of the nursery on Wednesday nights. And my job is to secure Nora, make sure that my little two-year-old granddaughter is okay. And so a couple Wednesday nights ago, I had Nora with me, and we're in the gathering space, and y'all are coming up and talking to me. And so I told Nora, Nora. Stay right here. Papa T's got to talk to, you know, you know, y'all. And so just stay right here. So I get into conversation, and, you know, we're talking, and, you know, and I'm pretty good at that. And so uh, all of a sudden, my daughter-in-law runs up, and she interrupts my conversation with a church member. And she does it rather forcefully. And she goes, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, where's Nora? And I'm like, dude, that was rude. But I didn't say anything because, you know, I'm not stupid. And so I look down and I want to go, she's right. Ooh. And there was no Nora. And I go tearing into the auditorium. And I run in here because I knew exactly where Andrew's kid would be. And I come running in the auditorium and she's up on stage, crawled up here by herself, Tanner's going to be going nuts. She's running around on stage, hurt herself, trip over, break something, whatever. And I come running in there, and I'm telling you, I had a conversation with my two-year-old granddaughter. And I set her down. It was about right here on this stage. And I said, listen, Nora, I told you not to leave my side, to stand right next to me. And because you didn't listen, 
mommy and daddy are really angry. And then I looked at her, and every grandparent in the room will understand, and I go, but me and you, we're okay, right? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so grandparents totally get that, amen? Uh, and so anyway, uh, we get the idea that we, we often don't listen. Well, God must have felt the same frustration with the nation of Israel. He tells them, he says, listen, I've delivered you from Egyptian bondage. I'm going to go up to the mountain with Moses, and we're going to get the law the Ten Commandments, but here's what I want you all to do. Stand right here by the side of the mountain. Don't move. A million Jews, stand right here by the mountain. We're going to go get the law. We're going to come back down. Don't you go off and do your own thing. Don't run away. Don't make a move without us. Stay here and wait for the word from God. And so, and, and here's the story so that you'll really get how frustrated God was with these people. And by the way, this is key to understanding why God wrote the second commandment. Because Gary, the very commandment that he's writing on top of the mountain is the very thing that they would do and disobey. God, so here's the story. For those of you that don't know the back, the back story on uh, the Ten Commandments, this is so critical for you interpreting them correctly. And, and here's, this, this is awesome, cool. So the nation of Israel has a covenant promise with Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless you. You guys are going to prosper, multiply. And they did. And then they forgot about God. When they got the blessings, they worshiped the blessings more than the blessor. Take home. Uh, and so when God, they began to do that, then God removed his blessing and presence in their lives. And now all of a sudden the nation of Israel finds themselves, because they did their stupid decisions and left God, they're now in Egypt under slavery for 400 years, Mike. They're in Egyptian slavery, in bondage. And God said, enough's enough. I'm going to go rescue my people. And he calls a man out of the wilderness by the name of Moses. All right, any of y'all seen the movie? Uh, and so they call Moses, and Moses comes, and he leads the nation of Israel. And here's what he says. God has told me, I'm going to give you 10 chances to let my people go. Ten plagues were visited upon the nation of Egypt. And, and all the time Moses saying, you better let God's people go. It's going to get worse. And finally we get to the tenth plague. Now the tenth plague is significant for you and I today. Not just to know the backstory to the Ten Commandments, but it's significant for you and I today. Y'all ready for this? Because I'm telling John this is money right here. So on the tenth plague, God said, I'm telling you, Pharaoh, you better let my people go. Enough's enough. And tonight a death angel is going to visit the nation of Egypt. And for everyone that has not sacrificed a lamb, y'all tracking with me now, New Testament people? Everyone that has not sacrificed a lamb and placed the, the blood of that lamb on the door of their home and put the blood of the lamb on the door of their home to worship the one true God, that death angel is going to visit, and every firstborn child in this country is going to die, Jew or Egyptian. It doesn't matter. This is the only hope of salvation is to be covered by the blood of the lamb on the house that you live in. And you and I understand this morning. You went tracking with me, church? Are you ready to have a little church in here today? Y'all tracking with me this morning? You understand 
that the only hope that this generation of these 11 families up on this stage today, all of those that are sitting on the audience, to all of our satellite church in Missouri, to all the other families that are watching online today, y'all understand this morning, the only hope America has, the only hope our families have, the only promise of salvation that we have is that the shed blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, saves us and redeems us and he keeps us from the enemy. Amen. So this morning, you need to know the story of the Ten Commandments. It's not a story about a bunch of rules. It's a story of redemption. It's the story of God's people being saved from 400 years of slavery and being set free. And now that they've been set free, here's how you live your life and receive my blessings. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. The Ten Commandments will not save America, our schools, or even your family. Only Jesus is our redemptive one. But then we learn how to follow God from his rules and from his laws this morning. So that's the backstory to how the Ten Commandments were written. So now in that context this morning, I want to remind you of what those Ten Commandments are. Would you look on the screen? We've got a list for you today. We're not going to, last Sunday we walked through all 10. We made you say them out loud. Today we're going to just focus for time's sake on number two because that's what I'm preaching on. So on the count of three, I want us to say the second commandment together. You ready? One, two, three. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. Man, that was a good responsive reading. I like that this morning. And so this morning, commandment number two means we must not make an idol for ourselves. Here's what I want you to understand, I think God is saying in this text. He's saying, commandment number one, there's no other God but me, since I'm the only God, don't put anything above me in your life. In other words, don't make anything more important than God in your life. And that's the title of my sermon. Would you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 this morning? Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to look at this morning, what's more important than God? We're going to help you answer that question. So God, back to our story. And so God gives the Ten Commandments to, these, uh, to, the, to the people. Him and Moses are on top of the mountain. Moses goes up there with God. They spend 40 days and nights, just 40 days and 40 nights. God gives them the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. Go back and watch the movie. And, uh, and Charlton, I mean Moses, is, is gone during that time. So they come back down the mountain. And the people, you know what they're doing? They're like Nora. All right? I know God said to stand here. But man, I got other stuff to do in my life. And so God comes back down with Moses after 40 days, and you know what the people have done in 40 days? I'm telling you, they were Baptist Jews. Is all of a sudden, after 40 days, they decided, well, I tell you what, God's not working in my life, and you know, I'm, I'm not getting fed at that church, and so blah, 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 blah. They decide to do God their own way, and they build a golden calf. And, and they make a golden calf, and they're worshiping a golden calf after Jehovah has delivered. Y'all remember the part in the Red Sea? I don't know how you missed that. I'm thinking, I'm going to follow the guy that parted the Red Sea, but not them. You realize that Jesus Christ died on a cross, arose from the dead after three days, and y'all still ain't following him? 
We're not different. It's the same problem. We want to do God our way. And here's what God says. It's only my way. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers of the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And God is like, all right, y'all got it? I told you to stand right here. Don't go anywhere. The people are like, no problem. And what's the first thing they do? They build an idol. And so I know what y'all are sitting here thinking this morning. Well, Brother Terry, you know, uh, man, I'm telling you what, I ain't got no statues in my house. I don't have any idols that I worship in my apartment. How many of you got statues in your house that you worship? Okay, you guys have really hurt me. I was really coming to church this morning thinking that some of you all had Brother Terry's picture <laughs> sitting in your living room and we walk in and go, we are so blessed. I know Mark's got one. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, so you, you, you're telling me, Ernie, you've never made a statue of me. You realize that, what, I mean, you realize what a cheap, ugly thing that would be. Uh, by the way, it wouldn't take much to do the hair. So anyway, so nobody wants to make a statue of Terry Pierce. That's why my picture is not on any building here. Uh, there's no monuments to Terry Pierce and any of this stuff because guess what? In a few years, y'all kicking me out the door. I'm going to retire, you're going to get somebody else, and you're going to go, Terry who? Uh, because the truth of the matter is, is you don't worship a preacher, you don't worship anything else, it's Jesus. And so he says, and, and I think it's fitting to you and I today, we have lots of idols still in our life today. Uh, let me prove it. Uh, you realize the number one television show in America over the last 20 years, the number one reality television show about music and singing. Amen, Jacob? Uh, and so you don't care anymore. Uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that uh, what's the number one television show is American? Uh, you all know better. Don't act like you all don't watch it. Uh, all right, let me say it again. What's the number one television? American? No, it's not Pickers, and it's certainly not the Perry. All right, so American Idol, uh, and so all of that, you need to realize this morning is that we worship and, and, we, and one pastor said we should call it American idols because, man, we've got so many idols in our life, and I'm not sure that we really realize it. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to get your notebooks out. Uh, for all those of you that are new here at Connect Church, we take notes at Connect Church. Uh, we want you guys to remember the Word of God so the Holy Spirit continues to use that throughout your week, and especially as you meet in small groups uh, on tonight that you, or on Sunday nights that you have an opportunity to remember the Word. So get your notes out. Feel free to bring your notebooks to church or your phones, put them in there. And so here's the definition of idol that we're working with. Here's what we believe is the interpretive word of God that, that defining what an idol is. An idol is anything that comes between you and God. And it's that simple. An idol, and I don't think we've thought about that, is simply anything that comes between you and God. There's no other way of thinking about this other than the fact that God wants us to be present in his life, and then when we choose idols, then he removes himself. So I want you and I this morning to ask the question again, what is more important in your life than God? And we're going to come back to that at the end. What's more important in your life than God? 
And I'm telling you, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and I've seen us choose a whole lot of things um, in our life. God says, listen, I want you to follow me. And when he tells us to lose things that we don't give up, then that's an idol in your life. So here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to make this interactive in our worship time today. I'm wondering, I want you all to tell me, uh, what are some things? And, and we probably need to do this more. So I want you to wake up, and I want you guys to share just out loud. And I know we're in a Baptist church, but it's okay because it's okay. Uh, but I want you guys to just tell me uh, because we really do want the Holy Spirit to change your life. It's not just about knowledge. It's about him changing the way you all live. That's what the Ten Commandments are for. So you all tell me this morning, what are some idols that your husband struggles with. <laughs> I want you to tell me, what are some things that uh, family, friends, or you personally, what are some things in America that we struggle with in idolatry in our lives? And, and I want to hear from you guys this morning because, and, and I want you to listen and write them down. What are some things, uh, first service, they did a great job. I know you guys will as well. What are some things that are idols in our lives that we struggle with? Somebody shout them out just real quick. All right, what? All right, we got two over here, so I heard social media, and then what was the other one? Phones. Okay, they're sort of connected. That's perfect. All right, let's start off with those two, all right? Uh, social media and phones. Uh, I, I, and I double-dog dare you guys. I don't even have mine up here, but uh, I double-dog dare you guys. Here's the thing. So, let's just talk about our phones and social media. We're not saying, as a church this morning, we're not saying you come to the Baptist church and they're telling us to throw away our phones. Absolutely not. I believe that God's given us this technology. I hope you have your Bible apps and, and you listen to good stuff on there. But let me challenge you, and, and let's just be real. An idol is whenever you choose, I don't have time to get into the Word. I'm busy at my job. I'm busy whatever. If you will look at the screen time on your phone and see what you were watching, what you were tweeting, what you were Facebooking, whatever you were doing, and you're going to sit there and tell a holy God, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about God looking at your phone in your time, and you realize you're going to give an account to that one day in your life, and I double-dog dare you to look at your social media time, and yet you can't do your hear journal? It's getting awful quiet in here. You can't spend five minutes with God in prayer, but you can spend two hours on your phone and your social media. I wonder if God's saying, I'm asking you to give it up. Not the whole thing. I'm asking you to make me a priority. And if you'll put me first, maybe I can give you something that's a whole lot better than your favorite tweet. Is anybody still here? Seriously, you're robbing yourself of time with God. Because your John Brown time on the phone. So somebody else. That was a good one. I like that one. All right. Uh, somebody else. What's another one? Entertainment and comfort. Absolutely. We love to take and drown our sorrows in entertainment. Give me something to make me feel better about myself. Let me have a good time because I don't want to deal with the reality of who I really am. Getting healthy, mentally, spiritually, and physically healthy. Just entertain me so I don't have to deal with the real crud that's going on in my life so we numb ourselves great when somebody else what was the other one what i heard somebody else say it money yeah absolutely money uh thank you for getting on that one uh man we're, we're killing ourselves uh, let me add to the money one uh what about our jobs how many, and we got so many millennials and Gen Z's coming to our church, and we love you guys. So can I give, as an old geezer, uh, a little bit of advice to you guys today? 
guess what? You're coming up, and, and, and to the money thing, one of the, in the first service, uh, one of the, the guys said, uh, you're 401K. I did not expect that one to come. And let me just say to my generation and the older ones, back in our day, it's not for you guys now because you don't even know what a 401K is because nobody has retirement programs and <laughs> welcome to America. But anyway, uh, but back in our day is that we had this whole thing about money is that, man, you got to make sure that you got a big retirement because you know what? Uh, your company is going to take care of you and you're going to have this big ending to your life. And let me just tell you, as an old guy, Y'all quit living and dreaming that when you get old and you get to retirement, it's going to be Gravy Street and you're going to get to do all this stuff. I've been pastoring for over 30 years and now I really can see that day coming real quickly in my age and my generation. And the big lie of my parents' generation was that, oh, retirement's going to be fun and we're going to have all this money and do all this stuff. And I've seen it over and over and again. All you do as you get older is you get sick. And you spend all your money on insurance and, and health care. Uh, you don't get to travel. You don't get to do all this stuff because you just, John Brown, are too tired and don't care. And so it's not all that it's cracked up to be to wait to the end to do that all. How about enjoy Jesus in the presence and know that retirement is not the end all promise and glory that it's promised out to be. Most of the people that have passed through this, let me give you, I, I buried four deacons in the last nine months. I'm killing them. Anyway, and uh, I buried four deacons in the last nine months. Very precious, dear friends of mine. One of those, his wife is here today in her first, and it's a tough day. It's her first Mother's Day without David being there. Sorry. David was a great employee at Pepsi, and Pepsi loved him. But David's went home to way better. He's way better off than us, Miss Shirley, this morning. But you know what? Pepsi went right on without David. Your company, your money, and all of that, it doesn't satisfy you. What matters is the legacy and the commandment to honor God in your life. Your company is not going to make a big deal about you. They're going to move on. And I just need to let you know that this morning. Make sure you put God first. He'll bless you with a good career. He'll bless you with the proper amount of money. But it's got to come from him first. Well, man, I wish we had time to continue on. But those are just a few. You guys did awesome. Here's what God says about our idolatry. Remember our verse. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or earth beneath or that is in water and earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. So uh, let's get back to the title of the sermon this morning. Here's my question. What is more important in your life than God. You see, the second commandment uh, is a big deal because what God is saying, uh, and here's what Dr. Danny Aiken, let me just summarize it this way and write this down. Dr. Danny Aiken, uh, again, Old Testament scholar, he says it this way, and this is money. Everyone is a worshiper of someone or something. Idolatry is exchanging, this is good, the glory of the creator for the creation. I love that. Leading to a life, and this is it, guys. You listening to me? Gen Z's and millennials this morning, this is what happens when we leave God out. It leads to a life of ignorance and moral corruption. I'm not going to, tr I'm trying my best to stay out of the politics 
this morning. So let me see if I can offend both sides. Am I the only one that is concerned about where America's at this morning? When you can't, last night we were going through um, and the kids told us they can't find formula for Owen. And so we went into Sam's and found some. And I never believed that we would live in America where you couldn't get baby formula for your kids. We can't, we've had a couple of families that said they just can't afford, they, you know, they, other counties, that they can't afford to drive to church on Sunday mornings. I'm frustrated about our condition of our country. And I'm telling you now, listen to me all the way through this. We've had a problem for years. Trump didn't solve it. Biden didn't solve it. I'm just telling you straight up, maybe. Look, look at verse 5. Let's just go to there. Let's go to the next verse. And so this is what God says when you leave me out. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, busy in iniquity of the fathers and children of the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. Can you, I want you to understand. You're saying, well, God sounds like a mean God. No, what, what God is saying to those people at the bottom of the mountain, remember he said, he said, just stay here and wait on me. But if you guys won't wait on me, if you guys won't do it my way, then I'm going to remove my presence from you. May I suggest to you today that America's in a mess? It has been in a mess for a while, and I'm, so, I'm just arguing today and contending to you and I today that we're not going to save it by who's in the White House. Maybe what we need to do is get the blood of Jesus on our home, on our lives, and the only hope we have as America is to come back and say, God, we're going to honor you. The truth of the matter is, is God doesn't have to judge us, Ernie. He doesn't have to punish us. What God says, I think this is why the church in America is dying. This is why the majority of churches are in decline, big time. And you want to know why? Because we've decided we're going to do church our way. We've decided as America, we're going to do it our way. And God says, you know what? I don't have to bring judgment on you. I don't have to make you all miserable. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to step back and go, okay, y'all want it? Then you take it, baby, and I'm telling you, we've got church our way. you got your pews. you got your stained glass windows. you got you, and you got your life. America's got it our way. How are we doing? How are we doing? Because God says, y'all don't want me? Let's see how y'all do with it. And I think that's exactly where we're at. Can I tell you that God didn't leave us there, though? Look at verse 6. This is good but showing steadfast love to a thousand of those who love and keep my commandments. Now to this, guys, next week is their week. We're going to go from babies, and by the way, mom and dads and all you that are in here this morning with these little babies, next Sunday we're going to have all the graduates on stage. Trust me, trust me, with two winks, you're going to think it's going to be forever. Trust me, in two winks, you're going to be back up here in 17 years, and it's going to be a whole different day. It goes fast. Amen? But to these guys, you see, this morning, I don't believe our best days are behind us in America. Call me nuts. Are you listening to me? I don't think our problems are going to be solved in the White House. I believe it's in the younger generation that God's going to raise up. We've got a generation, and I know that we give them a hard time, millennials and Gen Zs, but I believe in these guys, 
and I believe in you, and I believe that revival is happening in America. There are pockets of churches just like ours where we can't explain it, but God's just using a bunch of, what do we call it, Mark? A bunch of B-teamers, a bunch of preachers like me that, man, they don't have it all, but I'm just telling you God is blessing, and they're honoring him, and he's bringing revival just like we're having here, and I believe that our best days are before us because if we tell them about God, he promised we can't lose this. I'm pouring into you. I believe in you that if God raises you up, we can see God turn this around. Amen? We need to believe in God. I'm excited about the future of our country because I believe that real revival can do what we didn't do in our generation, and that is honor God. And so it's exciting to his promises. And here's what I want you to write down this morning. What happens when we choose God? God promised to show faithful love to a thousand generations, to those that love me and keep his commandments. That's a promise that you guys want to take home with you today. So this morning, we wrap all this up. I'm going to have three consequences, get your notes ready, and then three benefits to obeying God's commandments. So as we get ready for the three consequences of disobeying God's commandments, we're going to practically apply the text now to your life and mine. Let me set it up this way. Uh, back to our story about listening when God tells us something. Uh, y'all understand what a warning is? Uh, y'all know what a warning is. You guys driving down the interstate, again, talking about our state patrolman over here, Mr. Jason pulls you over. And so don't make him mad. And, uh, and so he ain't got the uniform on today, but he can still write you. Anyway, I, and so uh, you, you, get a, you get a ticket. I mean, you get pulled over by a patrolman, and you know what y'all are like. Now, I've never done this. But y'all know what you're like. It's like, man, man, I didn't mean to. Dude, can you just give me a warning? Can you just, you know, give me a warning? And you know what y'all done? I, I'm embarrassed. He's, he's over there. Do you know that there's been occasion, Mark, that I played the preacher card, and it's embarrassing, Terry, you know. Oh, I am so sorry, man. I was in a hurry because I was going to pray. You know, I don't know. Anyway, and so uh, uh, it's, it's just, that's shameful. Uh, but, uh, you know, and so it, it doesn't work, by the way. Uh, Belen one time, uh, you know, you can play all kind of cards. You just want the warning. Uh, she was pregnant with one of the kids, and one of them was getting ready to shoot, uh, getting ready to have the baby. And uh, and so she was, uh, she was like pretty healthy. And so the uh, cop pulled her over, and and uh, and, uh, he, and it was his first day on the job. <laughs> and so he pulls over, and he walks up to the window, and rolls down the window, and she goes, you know, and she goes, oh, and he goes, oh my, oh my, and he's, can I call you an ambulance? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, you know, whatever you need, man. I mean, he just went into full panic mode. He didn't even warn her. He just, go, go, go. Uh, he wasn't about to deliver no baby. So uh, we all love warnings. Belen warned me. Um, I was working at the house, in our old house on Auburn Road, and, and so I decided one day the blower on our uh, fireplace and went out and saw, you know, man, I can fix it. And, uh, Listen, if tool, Tim the tool man and Bob the builder can do it, I can do it. And so Belen told me, she goes, no, please don't. She goes, go get one of the men in the church. <laughs> Forget you. And so I was like, I went and got my screwdriver. 
And, uh, and so I don't have a toolbox, a screwdriver. I went and got my screwdriver, and so I'm working on the fan on the, you know, on the, on the uh, fireplace, and all of a sudden, and she's warned me, and she warns me again, don't touch that, you're going to get hurt, call Kevin, call somebody, uh, whenever. And I'm like, I got this, thing, can do it, I can do it. And so, boom, all of a sudden, fire comes out, lights go off, and smoke. And when I woke up, I'm not even exaggerating. Belen was standing over me, and she goes, you know what you all wives do so well? I told you. <laughs> uh, you know, I warned you that that was going to happen. But Grant, that gummit, I'm a man. So I got my screwdriver, and I went back in. <laughs> and the second time the lights went off and the smoke flew, and I woke up a little late, late, longer that time, she was standing over me, and she goes, we ain't doing this again. <laughs> and so we all have warnings in our life. And, and so God gives us a warning. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Here's, this is not Belim, but this is God telling you this is what happens if you do it your way. Number one, consequence to not following God's command. I allow other stuff to come between me and God. When we fail to honor him, and we have idols in our life, we allow other stuff to come between us and God. And this is a big one. It's a dangerous place in your life. Now listen to me this morning in all seriousness. There's no worse place to be in your life than to be out of the presence of God. When God told the nation of Israel not to move without him, I think this is where America's at today. God just, he doesn't have to punish us most of the time. He just removes himself. And some of you, now look at me this morning. You are in a dry spiritual season of your life. And you're thirsty for God. And sometimes God just allows that so we get hungry for him. But most of the time, it's because we've got idols in our life. And God's just going to not be a part of that. I was um, visiting and checking on my parents, and it's a tough situation, uh, trying to help out my, my brother and his wife. And uh, last Sunday night, I drove up late after Connect Groups. And, and so I was trucking through Illinois about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night or getting close to it. And, and uh, we'd had Connect Groups, so at 8, uh, it was really good. And uh, we'd had the Subway stuff and then uh, had me a big old glass of sweet tea. And I get about Dyersburg, Tennessee, and it's a five-hour drive, and get up into Missouri and almost to Sykeston and stuff, and all of a sudden, my sweet tea ran out. And I still got two hours of driving to go. And I'm not going to lie, I was like spitting cotton, you know, and I had a little bit of a chips left, and I had, uh, I had a breath mint, and I had chewing, uh, I don't know, but I was just sucking on everything I could in that car. And, but I wasn't about to stop. Uh, and I'm from there, so don't get offended, but I don't care if you do, but uh, I ain't going back. But I'm from Illinois, and if you don't know anything about crime in Illinois, uh, I ain't getting, I, and I got my gun with me. I got my carry permit for you guys, are officer. And, and anyway, and so, but, I, but I, I'm not about to get out and get shot, so I'm not stopping. And I mean, for the next two hours, I am thirsty as all get out. I literally ran into mama's house when I pulled in about midnight and just got me a big old jug of sweet tea and down the whole thing, because man, I was so thirsty. Y'all ever been there? Well, this morning, when we allow idols into our life, we come to a place where we're dry spiritually. And the only way you're going to satisfy that thirst is to confess that idol. We're going to help you do that in just a second. 
and allow God. God is the only one that's going to satisfy that thirsting, that dry season in your life. Number two is I waste my life chasing after the wrong things. Um, the truth of the matter is, is when you decide that you're going to follow the idol, you're setting the direction and the course of your life. If you think you're going to find purpose in your career, I got news for you. It's not going to work out. It's just not going to work out. It's not going to satisfy you. Some of you are single here this morning, and you think that if I could just get the right relationship, I need that emotional connection with somebody. Here's what happens when you put a person ahead of God in your relationships above him, and you think that that person's going to make you happy. You're going to make compromises to your convictions. You're going to do anything to satisfy them. You're going to leave your faith. You're going to leave your your morals and your convictions. You're going to hurt everybody else around you. Listen to me this morning. There are no persons, no possessions, there are no positions in life that will ever fill the hole and the void of a personal relationship with God. Somebody say amen. I waste my life chasing after wrong things that are idols. Number three, I trade God's best for what I want. Whenever you allow things other than God to be first place in your life, you're setting yourself up to understand that, man, listen, um, I'm going to settle for second best. Look at me this morning in all honesty. Are you not tired and frustrated that what the world promised you, your philosophers, your, your professors at school promised you? Have you ever looked at their lives? How did their lives turn out? They're probably teaching because they can't do the real job. Ouch. You, you need to be careful who you believe in. All I'm arguing for you this morning is God wants to bless you with a purpose in your life C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant minds, secular and Christian, he writes this way, and he says, summarizes this point. It would seem that our Lord fills our desires, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are the half-hearted creatures fooling around with sex, drink, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. C.S. Lewis, brilliant. He goes on to write like an arrogant, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. C.S. Lewis argues we are far too easily pleased. Ladies and gentlemen, God created you and made you with a purpose and he made you like you are. And he made you special like you are And he wants you to find that purpose in him. And so here's the benefits to following God's commands. Number one, I begin to see God's purpose for my life more clearly. I I just want you to know this morning, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you guys listen to me this morning. I'm going to say it as clear as I can, and I'm going to yell at you every Sunday to get this down. God has a purpose for your life, and not just this younger generation, but for every one of us. One of the biggest misconceptions that we've ever done is to say that, ah, I don't know about my job. Listen, God gave you your skill set. He gave you your job. He gave you your family so that he could use you and bless you and multiply you. You realize that God's called you to be bigger than yourself. 
Our church lives this out. We, we not only are doing this corporately to help you discover God's purpose for your life, we are doing things for the redneck community. We've got a beast feast. We're doing th- stuff for the homeless community. We're doing stuff for just the community at large uh, with over 1,000 people coming to the egg hunt. Uh, man, we are serving this community as a church. We're sending uh, missionaries uh, around the world for every race and tribe. Our church is living this out of helping. We're going to have 13 people go to Mexico uh, to help plant churches in August. We've got another team going into Japan to help share the gospel. Our church is living this out corporately, but guys, you guys got to do this personally as well. And here's what happens. At Connect Church, uh, we meet in small groups on Sunday nights. We help you guys find there's a greater purpose than just you being happy in this life. He's called you to give you meaning in life by service. Over the next 30 days, 20 different small groups that meet on Sunday nights, over 200 people are going to do 20 different service projects in this community that we live in. We're giving you the resources and the opportunities to go beyond yourself and find meaning and purpose in your life. And our church family's doing that. Guys, become a part of a small group, become a part of a D group, where every week you meet together, and when you're walking through marriage and you have problems, this is why we want you to join our small groups on Sunday night, and here's what we do, is our small groups meet on Sunday night, and they just take the Word of God, we take it straight out of the sermon, and we just say, what does it look like in your home? What does it look like in your family? And you know what, you ha- what you're going to find? You're going to find other people that struggle just like you do. And instead of judging you and condemning you, what are they going to do, Miss Marie? They're going to wrap their arms around you and pray for you and encourage you and challenge you and hold you accountable. That's what discipleship is. That's what Connects groups do. That's what we're doing at Connect Church because we ultimately want you to find meaning and purpose in your life. It's just way beyond you and your little world. God has a much bigger world out there, and we want to help you find that. Number two is I make better daily choices. This is why we want you guys doing your hear journals in the Word of God, is we want you guys to make better daily choices. In other words, you find out that I don't have to just totally mess up my life because I'm not listening to God. God wants to help you guys make daily better choices. Let me give you one last illustration of, of our small group ministry. So I'm, I'm doing a discipleship group. I've been doing it for eight years now, different ones. And so this year's group, uh, we meet uh, last Monday. I got three guys uh, that are with me. And so this is what happened in my D group a, a week ago Monday. Uh, one of the guys comes in and he just said, Man, I'm telling you what, before we get started tonight, we're, we're doing, we go through the Gospel of John. It's just the Word of God, not a movie, not a video, just the Word of God. And so we're studying John chapter 12 that week, and so we do our hear journals, and we're going to discuss them and, you know, and look at it. And so just the Word of God. And so a guy comes in and he says, dude, he says, man, he says, you know, our family's been having a revival. We've got kids that sing, you know, in the praise band, and, and, and God's just been doing a revival. But man, the last several weeks in my family, there's just been a dark cloud. Oh, y'all ever been there? He said, for no reason, I don't even figure it out, but he said, it's just been like the enemy is just trying to rob us of our joy. Y'all ever been there? A dark cloud. And he just come in and he said, it's just depressing. And it's discouraging. And I mean, you could just tell he was defeated. And, and so the guys, and we looked around and we said, we got this. And said, let's go to the word of God and then we're going to pray for you. 
And so we went to John 12 that night because that was where we were at. Telling you, God knows what's going on in your life. And he wants to help you guys have better purpose and make better daily choices in your life. So this guy's just discouraged. The devil's just trying to defeat him and his wife and his family with his dark cloud. And so we get into John 12. Guess where we were at in John 12 that night? Here's the story of John 12 if you don't know real quickly. John 12 is eight days before Jesus goes to the cross. Pretty chaotic. Y'all with me? Pretty chaotic in Jesus' mind. All he's thinking about for the very first time in eternity, I'm going to be separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Pretty chaotic. This woman walks in. He's at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. Mary sits down, and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair and pours ointment over his feet and washes his feet with her hair. Do you know in the midst of that chaotic week that Jesus is preparing for, what's going on behind him? The text tells us in John 12 that Judas gets ticked off. Baptist treasure. And Judas says, I can't believe that she wasted all that money on Jesus. And he's griping about what she's doing to worship Jesus. Then the other 11, because you know the other 11, they're going to get it. Heck no. Guess what the other 11 doing? They're Baptist people. Let's have a business meeting. This is inappropriate behavior. No good, decent, moral, well-dressed Jewish woman would be washing the man's, another man's feet. That is inappropriate and I will not have it. They're literally griping and complaining. And do you know what Jesus does with that crowd? The religious crowd, he says, y'all missed it. In the midst of the chaos going around here t- this week, in the midst of the greatest chaotic wife in the eternity of my life, this woman gets it. She worshiped me. And we looked at that guy in our group that was struggling that night. And we said, and I've been doing this for eight years, and I've never got that out of John 12. But I did that night because God knew that guy needed help. And I said, do you not get it? What Jesus is saying is in the chaos of your life, if you will put me first, you worship me. And when you're in the presence of me I take care of the chaos in your life and the message was simply that night buddy don't you give up because in the midst of the dark cloud in the midst of the chaos you worship Jesus anyway and I'm telling you the roof came off that room the Holy Spirit came in that room and that guy left and there was no John Brown cloud following him amen because when you put Jesus first and you put him in the presence and you worship him in the presence, it doesn't matter the chaos that's going on around you. You learn how to make better daily choices. And number three, I worry less because I'm trusting God more. I worry less because I'm trusting God more. Depending on your situation, you find less stress in worshiping God. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you stand with me this morning, I want you to look at the screen. We're going to do this a little bit differently today. Before I pray over you this morning, I want you to look at the screen. And here's the three things that we're going to pray into our life this morning, because I really want you guys to get victory. I want you guys to be verse six and to be blessed for future generations. And here's how we do it. It starts with this first one. 
We've got to remove the idol in our life, and God's got to do it. And so here's what I want you to pray into your life this morning. First step, God, I'm asking you, and I don't have to, to, to beg you this morning. If I ask you this morning what's an idol in your life, what's the first thought that floods into your brain? That's the Holy Spirit telling you that's something that needs to change. Would you ask God to remove that that just hit your brain? God, remove that idol in my life. You name it, you name it. Number two is you're going to repent. You know, when I set Nora down that night, and you realize that Nora... No matter whether you like it or not, these are the rules. And Nora, you need to tell us that you're sorry for running off. Folks, you can't get God's forgiveness. He loves you and he'll help you. Why are you so arrogant not to repent? God, forgive me. I've blown it. I've messed up. And he says that he will forgive you over and over again. And number three is God return me to my first love. God, I repent and I want to come back into fellowship with you. Don't let the good in your life replace God in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we repent today all over this room. God, we name that idol in our lives. We ask you to remove it right now as we pray. God, this is what it is in my life. I'm spending too much time on my phone, video games, social media, money, sex, relationships. God, I've made an idol out of this guy. I've made an idol out of this girl. I've made an idol out of my job. I don't know what it is. I made an idol out of my kids. You can worship your family. If you put your family first, you'll lose it. It's God. God, remove the idol in my life. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm so sorry that you love me so much. You told me to stand right here and not to move until you directed my life. And I went out and did it my way. And God, I repent of that today. I repent of that. I come back to you and God, I ask you to restore the joy of my salvation. I'm tired of being in that dry, thirsty season. God, remove the dark clouds over my life. You be present in my chaos and today, Today, restore to me the love and the joy of my life. If you'd like to come and confirm that prayer this morning as we sing a verse of invitation, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.